Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, we'll, we'll be getting a few things off our chest. It's healthcare beefs time. <laughs> and we'll also ask each other some surprise questions. So be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 14 years of health IT blog content at healthcareitoday.com. I think we all have some beefs that we're dealing with in this COVID crisis, but uh. <laughs> yes. Well, when we're you know when we're sitting at home and uh, you know and you know there's only so much YouTube you can watch, right? <laughs> so you start thinking about like, boy, I, you know, I got a beef. I got some. I got some things to talk about. And my kids are proving that that's not true. You can watch as much YouTube as you want. It's endless. <laughs> That is that is true, actually. <laughs> but but one thing I do miss, right? One of the things about going to conferences and stuff is getting the chance to interact with other people who are familiar with the industry, and then just talking about things that you're seeing or not seeing, and and just sort of I think it's just venting, right? You like to vent about what's going on in the industry. So without that, I feel like I've got it pent up. <laughs> it's such a good point. You know, we we actually should encourage all our listeners hop on Twitter. Uh, use hashtag HITSM or maybe we need a new hashtag healthcare beefs and uh, share what your beef is. Uh, you're going to hear ours on this episode, but uh, you know, I'd love to hear what other people's beefs are. That's a good one. Actually, we should start that healthcare beefs hashtag. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so why don't we start with you, John? What's your healthcare beef? What have you got on your chest that you just need to get off? So... I mean, this one is so frustrating to me and it happens in so many different aspects of healthcare. So it's going to apply a lot of directions, but to me, it's when they use the word, Oh, we just need, and you're like, wait, we just need, and let me give you a few examples. We just need people to vote and then healthcare will improve. Or we just need to, we just need the EHR vendors to listen to doctors uh, you know, it's like, they just like try to simplify it and say, oh yeah, if they just listen to doctors, the EHRs would be loved by doctors. And, you know, to me, it's like, you're simplifying something that is way more complex. I mean, just to use the EHRs listening to doctors example, like they did listen to doctors. Did they listen to the right ones? I don't know. You know that, that, that might be a discussion, right? But there's a lot more to it than just listening to doctors. And in fact, they did listen to doctors and that's where we're at today. So anytime someone says, oh, if we just listen to patients, it would solve everything. It's like, no, healthcare is more complex than that. If all it took was just a simple listening or a simple action, it probably would have already been done. And most of the problems in healthcare are much more complex. I totally, totally agree with you there, John. <laughs> I like that. And I like that too. I mean, it's, uh, it's never just something, is it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, if, if I just tweeted more. No, it's like, no, it's like that doesn't solve stuff, right? Uh, but, it, it, but, you know, our social media environment has made it so we feel like, 
oh, and, and maybe there, you know, we're dealing with our own emotions with those type of tweets. And, you know, there, there's probably something there uh, that, you know, psychologists could get into, right? That we feel better if we, if we put it out there and say, oh, this was just better. Okay, now I feel better. I can go back to my life. But yeah, it's like, you know, healthcare is so much more complex. It takes a team approach. It, it usually has government regulations involved. So it's not just one thing. It, it takes a concerted effort to really solve the problems of healthcare. Yeah, and it is so easy on social media these days to just go to 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 want to tout the silver bullet, right? Yeah, uh, and in exactly. some cases where, where it's a very, very specific problem, maybe there is a, a silver bullet, one solution to the problem. But in general, you are right. In healthcare, there's no way that there's is ever going to be just one thing. It's always a combination of technology and people related things and then, you know, regulations and then, you know, payer reform and all that kind of stuff. Like it's all interwoven, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's nice when uh, you know on social media anyone can hop on and say anything, and it's very different to actually solve the problem. So, you know that that I think is the you know that's where it's frustrating to me because I think you know there's always layers of detail that are required if you want to make any sort of change. So, let me tell you my beef. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can tell this one. This one comes from this the one, soul. Huh? This one's coming. This one's coming from the gut. Yeah. Uh-huh. So okay. um, now I don't live in the United States, so I can't say for one hundred percent certain that this is true. But because I do watch a little bit of YouTube and kind of looking at commercials and things, uh, my beef is with an absentee party to COVID. There is one group in healthcare that has not come forward at all, in my mind, with any sort of help, with any sort of messaging uh, or anything around COVID, and that is payers. Uh, there is a, there was, or and still is, a golden opportunity for payers to, to step forward, right, to do something nice for their communities, to do something good for their uh, their people, or to at least kind of uh, turn back the dial a little bit on some of the feelings people have about their payers, right? <laughs> uh, but they have been silent. Like there's been nothing from payers anywhere that none of them, none of the leaders have stepped forward in terms of, you know, Hey guys, yes, we, we're going to, we've been giving away free masks to all our members to try and keep them safe. Right. Because we don't want them in the hospital and, and those kinds of things. What a golden opportunity. And now maybe they've done that and just not advertised it, but I just doubt it because that would make such a great story that I think people would talk about it. But to me that they've just sort of been the absentee party at this. Like we've heard from, providers, of course, we've heard from governments, we've even heard from pharma companies, right, that are doing research and that the, even the, the companies that make things like beds and like devices, and they're talking about what they're doing to help keep patients safe and donating and doing nothing. I've heard nothing from the payer groups. Did you uh, and then to make pharma is better than payers. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, to me, it is. It's just a, a missed opportunity. And then on top of that, John, as you know, we're getting into the the uh, the time where where people are starting to report uh, Q2 numbers, and mm-hmm. you know, talk about a PR nightmare. Like, I won't name the company, but there was one that was recently, you know, recently announced their Q2 results, and it posted like almost 2.3 billion dollars in profit because no one could go to do elective surgeries. And so yep. they're not paying anybody out. They're not paying any money. So they're, they're just collecting. And so you look at that and go, wait a minute. 
<laughs> you made $2.8 billion in profit in, during COVID, right? That is a little bit incongruent with how everyone else in the world is doing. <laughs> No, absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've seen a number of reports where it says payers are, gonna, are loving this, right? Like, and they think they'll even be able to use it to justify higher premiums in the future, which is insane when you think about the profits that they're experiencing. But, um, you know, they have done two things, I, you know, a little bit like I got some sort of credit from my health insurance company. It wasn't, you know, interestingly enough, the car insurance companies did the same thing and they touted it like from the rafters, like, Hey, we're refunding. And I think Geico said 15% or more. They made it into a campaign, right? Like, so, um, you know, that was interesting that insurance car insurance companies did it, but my health insurance did it kind of quietly with an email. And I don't even think they said the amount, like it was, it was kind of this discreet thing. It's like, uh, so what are you trying to hide from? Uh, the only other thing I I've seen them do as well is, you know, they have, offered information about like free testing, free COVID testing or how they're doing it. But interestingly enough, as a consumer, I think many of us look at that and say, sure, you're offering free testing, but that's just a way for you to, to, you know, get, to be able to discover it sooner. I mean, like that's for your bottom line. That's not like a giving a service to us. So I think that is the problem for payers is that as consumers were really skeptical that the payer is going to do anything to help us as a patient. And so there really is a lack of trust between the consumer and the payer. But interestingly enough, to your point, this is a time where you could build trust and you could show that like, Hey, we do have these profits and we're going to spend them on you. Interesting. I, it will be interesting to see how it plays because, you know, Obamacare required that they could only have a certain percentage of, of profit. I wonder how that's going to work out. You know, do they, are they going to actually lose business eventually because of that? I, I don't know. I mean, like the insurance company uh, margins are, are uh, a fickle business, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, I don't, and again, I don't begrudge them profit. That's not the issue here. I think the issue for me is really more, more from a marketing standpoint. It's just a lost opportunity or an opportunity that they had to really, you know, like, like I said, turn back the dial on how people feel about them. Right. Like, again, I just go to, you could have given everyone of your members a free mask. Right. Like right. how much would that have cost you? Like not, not a billion, right? It, it probably would not now maybe there's procurement problems, but, but still it was an opportunity to do that. And it would have been a small gesture. Right. And, and that to me would have been newsworthy. People would have reported and go, well, you know, at least you're trying to do something. Yeah. Um, and it could have been branded for them and everything, you know, exactly. <laughs> it's it's now, cheaper I, than buying the Super Bowl ad that you can't buy if the Super Bowl doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. But anyway, that, to me, that's the one party uh, in the health ecosystem that has not really stepped forward at this time of COVID. We've heard from basically everybody else. And, you know, even the drug companies who, you know, we were complaining, uh, you know, before COVID about high drug prices and the profiteering that was happening. But then you hear about these stories about how they're making some of these medications available now at very low cost or free to certain uh, communities where, it, you know, where they're underserved. And, and they're putting things in place where they're, they're trying to ramp up production for the eventual vaccine that's coming forward. And, you know, at least they're putting out there what they're doing and how they're helping. Um, but the payers just haven't. So my beef is with payers. I mean, hopefully they can, there's still time. Hopefully they will get their acts together and, or somebody will step forward and, and kind of say, Hey, like, this is what we're going to do to help with the COVID situation. 
I wonder if there's something we're missing. Maybe one of our listeners knows. So let us know in, on social media or in the comments of this. Like, love to hear. Maybe there's something on the payer side that we're not we're not thinking about or don't understand of why they're staying quiet. Uh, and maybe it is just the full profitability thing, and they don't want to wade in there. <laughs> Could be. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I, you know. You're right. I mean, maybe they've been doing some stuff behind the scenes that we're not seeing. But uh, yeah, yeah. So if any listener has a story like that, we, we would love to know. Definitely. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Thanks for listening today. Now we're going to get into some fun stuff. More fun stuff, I guess, John. <laughs> the random stuff. I, the random stuff. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to ask each other questions. We're going to start with a health IT related one, and then we're going to go to a non-healthcare related question that we're going to ask each other. Uh, and I'm interested in your response to this one, John. So uh, as some of you may know, John's been doing a lot of work recently around telehealth and really investigating and building a list of all the different telehealth vendors that are out there and the solutions they offer. And there are lots, right, John? That list is enormous. Shocking. Uh, and and rightfully so right because that's uh, obviously it's a very hot topic but but as since you've been looking at this area and looking at the different features and functions that telehealth companies are offering is there one feature or a function that you're not seeing in the current crop of solution providers that you think should be there or that a year from now we're going to look back and go well of course we needed that why didn't we bake that in sooner yeah so it's interesting. If you would have asked me this a year ago, uh, I think it may have had a different answer. And there were some really creative things. Uh, you know, one company even created a whole insurance billing engine to know, can I even pay for telehealth? And it's it's fascinating how the changes of regulation just threw that out the window. Oh, we don't need that anymore. We'll pay for it. <laughs> and it's not quite that way, but uh, it's, it's getting close to that. So anyway, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, you know, there's a lot of features that uh, I think are standing out. And I think one of those features is actually the single click join that I think is finally taking shape and the majority of them have it. So it might have been that even a year ago as well. But the one I'll give you that I think that nobody has figured out really well, and I think there's still a lot of discovery that's happening in this regard. And that is, I would describe it as a telehealth workflow engine. Uh, you know, so many of them are this simplistic model. Let me send you a link. You join the video. The doctor joins the video. Boom, we have a video visit. And you're like, okay, so if that's all that was needed for the visit, then why did I have to check in at the front desk? And why did I have to be taken back by a nurse and seen by a nurse and do an intake and triage? Like, so I, I you know, this is still something that's open for discussion and discovery, I think. And I think we'll discover that certain specialties need certain things and other specialties don't, or certain incidences need a, di a different workflow than maybe uh, another disease. But um, I think what a health telehealth company is going to need to do is include some sort of workflow engine. Shout out to our friend Chuck Webster at Wearflow who loves workflow. But I think it's true in this telehealth space that, we're going to need some sort of way to get the patient from a virtual digital waiting room to possibly an MA and then to the doctor and then possibly back to the MA to be able to fulfill something. Right now, those workflows really aren't built in. There's a few of them that have kind of 
started down this path, but there's not many that have really said, okay, I want this predefined workflow or I want a flexible workflow that any doctor, nurse, MA could join the conversation with the patient and get it flowing. And they didn't communicate that well with the patient. So the patient's like, I click and I have no idea what to expect. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, I, I just did an interview with uh, Meditech and they talked about it. Yeah. I mean, right now they go there and it says, oh, you're waiting. But do they need hold music? Do they need, you know, like, what is the right workflow? And, you know, I think we're all still discovering that. So I guess I would say a workflow engine that allows each organization to say, how am I going to work the patient through the telemedicine visit process? Nice. Nice. I like that, John. It, and, and it's sort of, I won't say it mirrors what happened with EHRs, but it sort of does in the sense that I think at the beginning, it was just all about the base functionality, you know, and just getting the solutions out there and into the hands of users. And it wasn't until later that we realized, boy, we really should have <laughs> made this fit into the workflow a lot better and there would have been more acceptance. The same thing seems to be happening in telehealth from, from, what, from what I gather from what you said. Yeah, well, and it begs the question, is there going to be an epic, which... Epic essentially said, here's the workflow. You're going to do this workflow, adapt to it. But, you know, is that going to happen with telehealth as well? That says, here's the workflow that's optimized for telehealth. You need to do it. Or are there going to be other more flexible ones like other EHR vendors were more flexible in how they implemented it. Are we going to see the same with telehealth that says, Oh, we can handle any workflow. You figure out the workflow. We're just the engine that empowers you. And hopefully the timeline for that, though, is shorter, right? <laughs> it's taken us years yeah. to get where we are now with EHRs. Hopefully with telehealth, it's going to be a lot, lot shorter. We'll yeah. hopefully have learned the lessons. Yeah, well, and we have a lot of data now of what works and what didn't. <laughs> <laughs> What's your question for me, John? Yeah, so my question for you, uh, you know, you, you've, uh, you've been in health IT for quite a while. <laughs> that might be an age joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've, been, you've had a lot of experiences across a lot of companies uh, interacting with customers, you know, and customer success stories. So what's, what's your, your best, uh, most exciting, interesting uh, customer story from all those years working with customers? Wow, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah, because you're right. I've worked at a lot of different places and had some really great experiences with lots of companies. Uh, so lots of success stories to, to think through. But um, I probably have to say there, there's one that sort of sticks out for me because it's so, uh, you, actually two that are very unique. One is a health IT related one. So let me start with that. So there's one company I worked for uh, that uh, made a risk management solution that tracked basically falls and things, bad things that happen in the hospital, right? Adverse oh. events. And I remember hearing this story uh, from a risk manager at this fairly large hospital that after implementing the solution, they had discovered that they were having falls, uh, a, a, a higher percentage of falls on a couple of floors, uh, and they couldn't figure out why. I mean, they were just, they always knew that, you know, that there was a lot of falls happening in these two floors of their building, but they never could figure it out. And then they implemented our software and, and started to track more data. And basically what they found was that the falls were all happening around the same time, which they never knew before, like around the same time of day. And uh, what basically they discovered after a few months of investigating was the color of the floor and the wax they were putting on the floor to shine it 
was causing blindness when the sun came through the window at a certain angle. <laughs> and so what would happen is it was, it was a, a floor that was meant for um, uh, patients who had amb- ambulation issues. And so basically they couldn't see at wow. that one time of day. And so they were blinded and they were falling, they were fall- falling down. And so Crazy. it wasn't until they, it wasn't sort of until somebody noticed that the, the timestamp on when these things were being reported and when they were happening were about around approximately the same time in the day or basically ba- based on the position of the sun. Uh, and so they were able to, after figuring that out, they were able to change some things. They put some shutters on the windows. They also changed the the color of the flooring eventually. And, and that was just sort of a great story of how health That's IT cool. really helped out in a way that was totally unexpected. Yeah, it's all about the data. It's, it's amazing. I wonder if it trended with the sunset time. <laughs> you know, yeah, we probably might, can evaluate that now. <laughs> it might have. I just, I just remember it being such a really cool and unique story about how they discovered what the root cause of one of these issues were. And ultimately, it led to better patient safety. So that was, you know, a nice story to tell. Nice. But probably the, the one that's most memorable for me wasn't even something that we did, but it was with the company I was with. So um, I was with Stericycle, which is a, a company that does a lot of waste management for hospitals. And during the Ebola crisis a few years ago, uh, one of the customers was that hospital where the Ebola um, outbreak happened in Texas. Wow. And as you can imagine, you know, it was such a big story, but we were responsible for getting rid of the waste from that, um, that facility. And with Ebola, you couldn't just sort of bring it to the local dump, right? Because it it could be weaponized, it could all these things. So the amount of effort that it took to dispose of that waste, we heard the stories later, it was just incredible. They had to basically hire a special truck. Uh, and then it had to be driven up to another place to be disposed of. It was in another state. And the route they had to take, um, they had to get approval from every state's governor wow. and EPA, essentially, to go through the state. And some states said no. They said, no, no, we're not, not going to allow this thing to be transported. And so they basically to get from A to B. They had to take the circuitous route through all these other states that allowed them to go. Yeah. And on top of that, there was a requirement that you couldn't actually stop the truck for more than five minutes. <laughs> so they basically had to place drivers at yeah, certain stages say. along the route and swap drivers <laughs> to keep the truck moving to get it to the location where they're going to, going, going to uh, dispose of it. So that to me was just an incredible story about some of the stuff that happens behind the scenes that we never hear about. Yeah, that's a good story. Very cool. So what's your question for me? Okay, so I've got a question. This is a non-healthcare question, John, uh, okay. for you now. Uh, first of all, fun one. Ice cream or cheesecake? Oh, what kind of question is that? Exactly. <laughs> Ice cream or cheesecake, which do you prefer for dessert? Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, I can't go wrong. That's the good news. But uh, I, I, if, it, if it's the right cheesecake, I probably take cheesecake with some hot fudge on top. Uh, you know, original is all, all that's needed with a little hot fudge. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably take that. But, uh, man, chocolate ice cream is incredible, too. So, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I guess I'll lean cheesecake. Cheesecake. All right. <laughs> it's official now. We got the cheesecake over ice cream. Because we know everyone who knows you, of course, knows you like both. Uh, but I was always cur- I'm, I was curious to know which one would you choose. 
important stuff. Well, I, I have one non-healthcare for you. Uh, and I, you know, anyone that knows you knows that you have a little bit of a sci-fi addiction. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know if, if you didn't have that wall behind you, we'd see it in full glory. Uh, <laughs> all your collectibles. That's true. Uh, but my question for you is, uh, you know, an important sci-fi question, Star Trek or Star Wars? Wow. Okay. You're going to make me choose. You're going to make me choose a side. Oh, well, you gonna... made me choose. So it's fair. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, although I have to say people who love cheesecake versus people who love ice cream are probably not going to come after you. If I, depending on my answer, I'm going <laughs> to get a lot of, I'm going to get people tweeting me. By the <laughs> way, I'm, I'm clearly in the star Wars category. So uh, yeah, I'll throw it out there for you. You know, we'll be in it. Okay. <laughs> So for me, I mean, I have to, so it's a, I love them both for different reasons, but I have to go with Star Wars only because that was the first one for me. That was the gateway. Mm. I remember going to see the original in 1970, uh, 1977 with my dad and not knowing what it was and just hadn't really heard the hype or anything and just going in and just being blown away by what I saw on the screen. So that was what started me down the sci-fi track. So I have to go with Star Wars to say that was my first entree into to the sci-fi universes and and my love for it. So and of course I had you know the R two D two toys and the ray guns and everything. So that nice. I have to go with I have to go with Star Wars. And just if you go by the amount of memorabilia I have, <laughs> by count of memorabilia, I have way more Star Wars stuff than Star Trek. So. It's collectibles are cooler. Let's be honest too. Uh, you know, a fun fact is the first girl I ever kissed was at a remake of one of the original Star Wars. It, we went and watched that and my first kiss. So I guess maybe oh, I that's that. where I, I like Star Wars too. I don't know. <laughs> I do have to say there is, there is nothing cooler than having a lightsaber as opposed to a phaser. I mean, you know, the my weapon. My kid showed me a video last night of a, uh, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, the pirate one, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, but where they swapped out the swords oh, yeah. for for uh, for lightsabers. For lightsabers, it was incredible. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it takes it takes that movie to a whole new level. Yeah, no, it's yeah, a, that's an iconic weapon for an iconic movie. And of course, you know when I went to Disney uh, as we as we try to go to Disney every so often, and seeing the new Star Wars uh, area was just incredible riding them and piloting the Millennium Falcon and just seeing all That's those cool. things in the world. I mean, it was just, it's awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, I love, I love star Wars and you can't go, but you can't like you can't go wrong with either. <laughs> That's true. They're both good. awesome. Well, John, I can't believe we're at the end of another episode. It's time always seems to fly when we do these things. Yeah. I guess we should we make it weekly? No, I think <laughs> we should, yeah. <laughs> We're going to run out of questions. I think John <laughs> N- never. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And at some point I will, you know, I'll have to figure out a way to put some of the memorabilia back on the wall here. So people can see at least a little bit of the collection. Definitely. All right. Well, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of healthcare IT today. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.